0: Hello and welcome to The Talk. I am your host, Chef Michael Silverstein, but please just call me Mike. Guys, you already know me from Instagram or from one of my cookbooks, but you know, I really wanted to create something where we could have honest conversations about what's really happening in the food and diet industry. I think there's so much information flying around. There are myths, there are misconceptions, there are unpopular opinions, and I want to dive in a little deeper and kind of figure out what's really happening. So I've brought in some amazing guests, some experts from the field, so we can really unpack this very complicated and very crowded field. So today's guest is super special, but before I introduce him, I want to point out a few things. So if you're interested in learning more about this episode or any future episodes, please go to chefmichael.com slash podcast, and that's chef-michael.com slash podcast. You can also help me keep the lights on. Every dollar helps by supporting me on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash chefmichael, where you can get bonus content and my after episode uh, Shall I say, where I talk independently of our guest about exactly what was just said? So join me on Patreon. Uh, for more information and more bonus content. And a huge and special thank you to our sponsors, Redmond Real Salt. Guys, if you watch my Instagram, you already know that I always have a jar of Redmond salt right next to me on the stove. I'm serious about this. It really is the best salt in the game, both as a chef and as a keto foodie. It really helps keep me on track because of those, you know, diverse electrolytes. It has actually 65 trace elements. It's made from a dried up ancient seabed right here in the States, in Utah. It's healthy. It's natural. And this salt was produced long before plastics even existed on this earth. So it's good for you and it's good in your food. And the coolest part is you can actually get Redmond salt at almost any grocery store in the country. But if for any reason you can't find it, go to redmond.life where you can put in an order online. They also have other cool products and add the discount code ChefMichael for 15% off. So thank you, Redmond, for supporting the podcast. Now, I won't make you wait any longer. Let's dive into the talk. I'd like to give a huge welcome to a good friend of mine and really just a brilliant mind in the field of keto research, Ryan Lowry. PhD. Welcome, welcome my friend. Dude.
1: What's going on? on? Dude, that setup is insane.
0: Oh, thank you. Gotta thank my, uh, my buddy who's like the producing this whole thing, editing, set the cameras up. He's a magician dude that's incredible i, I, I wish you could see how low budget it is because it's like ah. i'm in my guest bedroom with like a 15 dollar black backdrop from amazon behind me but hey um, that's all it takes yeah man. yeah right the magic of tv
1: that's <laughs> it baby. That's um
0: well welcome welcome i'm so happy to be for you to be here
1: Thanks, brother. I appreciate it, man. I'm super excited.
0: Yeah, me too. It's been a long time since we've been face to face, but uh, I'm glad we've been able to stay connected over the years, uh, especially through Clubhouse lately, which is kind of fun.
1: (laughs) Absolutely, man. I'm I'm honored to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Awesome. Well, before we dive in, would you mind, uh, you know, I know you, but maybe for someone who doesn't tell us a little about yourself, a quick
1: bio uh, and what you do. Sure. Um, I mean, I grew up playing sports my entire life. Uh, I was always interested in how to optimize human performance. And right before I went into high school, uh, my grandmother passed away unexpectedly. And I lived, I, li- I was in this big Italian family. You know, grandma's like the center, the rock of that. She right. used to cook. We used to say she used to cook for an army. And I know you could relate. Like, she used to cook so much amazing food. And I love that. Those are some of my best memories. And to have that kind of ripped away from you unexpectedly really took a big hit on me and my entire family. And for me, I was like, you know, what? how can I help other people not deal with those same issues? And so I went to University of Tampa. I originally thought I wanted to be a, a DPT, a doctor of physical therapy. But very quickly, I realized, you know what? Like as much as people are into movement or as much like when you're, when they're in PT, they've already gotten hurt. Like I want to be on the preventative side. And so I started studying nutrition, um, all while playing baseball. I played baseball while I was at the university of Tampa, which was a really fun experience, but I really started diving into nutrition and understanding the impact that our food has on our health. And that led me to get my master's in exercise and nutrition science. Let me get my PhD in health and human performance. All centered around uh, ketosis and and the power of being in a ketogenic state, which I'm sure we'll we'll touch on, but just really fascinated with the power that food has on improving overall health and function. And so that's what really spearheaded my journey.
0: Interesting, man. And I totally agree. Obviously, my world is around food. So I think it's kind of cool that we can connect and And we found a different path that brought us to many of the same yeah. conclusions, you could say, because I'm the furthest from uh, a studied or, or a scientific approach towards keto. But somehow we found a lot of the same uh, processes and a lot of the same solutions to the, to, to the problems that we're finding.
1: Right. right. And you've done it in, through an incredible way of making food that once was like, oh, that's impossible to make. Or, oh, that's going to take, uh, take me two years to figure out how to make. It. And you're like, no, it's easy. Here's how to do it. And so I think that's super important in today's day and age, figuring out ways to make people like, hey, this is something I can make on the go. It's easy. It's it's convenient. And it's not million dollars
0: a serving. Right. Well, and you really hit something when you were talking about uh, your food. And, and, you know, I get it growing up with Italian moms and grandmas. Look, Italian grandmas are almost the same as Jewish grandmas, right? So, <laughs> so I get it. Like our world is food. That's how our family showed us love, right? And so right. It, it's been really a mission of mine to make sure that my food has love in it too, the same way that the food we did growing up had. I think it's so important. And and one of the reasons why I don't even like to use the word like diet or or healthy food. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's that, but man, I think there's so much more behind it than that. Like if we could kind of find the the perfect space where it's, yes, it's healthy, but we don't have to talk about it that way. I think that'd be yeah. a really cool place to go with food. But this is not about me, man. I want to hear more about what you're doing. And, and I'm really fascinated. I, I know... Um, You know, you have an amazing laboratory um, and I've seen a lot of your content on YouTube. You've done some really amazing uh, studies. I I particularly enjoyed your journey through going plant based um, and kind of Mm -hmm. testing those waters because that was super controversial. Um, I remember that The, the Internet backlash that you got was pretty wild there for, for a minute. Yeah. And so, not to rehash uh, the trauma <laughs> of that, but um, I was actually a vegetarian for eight years. Um, most people don't know that, but through my 20s and before keto, I was a vegetarian, not vegan or plant based, but I was a vegetarian from about 22 until 30. And that's where I gained all my weight. That's where I felt my worst, even though I was eating super healthy and I was making it myself. It's not like I was one of these vegetarians that only ate McDonald's fries, I was cooking every day day for myself the same way. And it did not work for me. Anecdotally, it did not work for me. I wish I had uh, created the data around that uh, as you have done. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how you were able to track that process and without necessarily even getting into the results, how can we take data? Because one of my biggest regrets is that I didn't get blood work the day before I started keto, I don't really have that baseline. So, talk me through some of that approach that you took to studying uh, your body, both on ketosis in ketosis and in a plant-based diet.
1: Yeah, for sure, um, and it definitely was controversial. I, I think I, I it sparked it because. There was a very popular documentary called The Game Changers that came right. out. Um, and, you know, I was like, you know what? I, as a scientist, as someone who I, I talk a lot on social media, I put out YouTube videos. I'm like, I can't say one way or another. Like I have the utmost respect for people who are plant-based. I have the utmost respect for people who are carnivore. Same. I tend to sit in the middle. I like some plants. I like some meat. That's just where I sat. So I'm like, mm-hmm. you know what? I got to test both of these extremes. So I've tested carnivore. I've tested plant-based. Um, and so I think it's important to, if you're gonna test things out, cause listen, at the end of the day, everyone, there's a bio-individuality th- right. with everything. Some people can respond exceptionally well to being more plant-based. Some people can respond exceptionally well to being more animal-based. Um, now for me, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna, I have to test these things out. So for, what I did is I went, got a full blood panel to make sure I was looking at everything from my blood, my insulin sensitivity to my hormones, Fortunately, we have a huge lab called ASPI down here in Tampa where we do a whole bunch of different testing. So I was able to do body composition testing, metabolic testing, strength and power testing. And if you don't have access to a lab like that, you can do body composition testing at a lot of different gyms nowadays. You could just go and get... A, a scan, and you can just measure strength and power yourself, like do a one rep max or like see how high you can jump. That's a marker of power. But getting blood work, I think, before you start and or embark on a journey is an important thing. And it's not the be all end all, but I think it's good to know where you're starting from and where you're striving towards, or right. eight weeks or even several months later, like where you're at, and being able to interpret that data and go, oh, well, this is what I've learned over that journey.
0: And, and, In summary, how would you describe your experience, both anecdotally uh, and, I guess, scientifically through a plant-based experience versus keto? Because, you know, my experience has been purely anecdotal.
1: Yeah, uh, super difficult. Um, That's why I have a lot of respect for people who are plant-based. Like, it's super difficult to stay low-carb. I tried to stay as low-carb as possible, plant-based. Oh,
0: yeah, low-carb, low-carb. uh, <laughs> low carb and vegan is tough. I've, I, I oh, love vegetables okay. too. And not to, not to like jump in, but I get fired sure. up about this cause I like challenging myself and I definitely try to do some low carb, uh, vegan, or at least vegetarian meals. And it's not easy to get in the right amount of fat and protein and stay full from that,
1: it. That's the challenge. The, the protein was yeah. my biggest challenge. Um, it was, it was really my biggest challenge. And we saw that with my results. Like for me, Um, I went to Costa Rica to do plant medicine for the first, for the first two weeks of it. And there they actually feed you plant-based the entire time. So that was easy. Like that was easy. I had everything prepared for me and then coming home for the next couple of weeks, it was like, wow, I need to do this on my own. And I didn't want to eat a bunch of these like fake burgers and stuff like that. Like I tried them, I tried them and, and I was like, oh, I actually thought they were pretty decent for what they were. Now the ingredients are a different story, but sure. I think it, the, the taste wasn't, it wasn't a burger, but it was, it was, it was close. Yeah. Um, and, and so I tried it, I tried, and that was the biggest thing. I tried to do these meals that were low carb and like, I was like, like, what can I do here? Like I was right. guacamole and, and, right. and hum, like trying to do low carb hummus a lot. And I'm like with carrots. And I'm like, hey, right. This is, this but is without, really without
0: beans, it's tough. It's tough. It's really it's tough. tough. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah.
1: It's tough and like sources of protein being like like tofu, like I didn't really love love tofu. Like it was right. it was really 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 difficult to get that in so I would I would have to supplement in with like plant-based proteins. Right. Um, and one of the things that we know about plant-based proteins, not to get too sciencey is like Plant-based proteins, the amino acids, which are the building blocks that make up proteins, right? Like imagine all these Legos that build up something, those little Legos that build up something bigger are amino acids. Amino acids are what are responsible for turning on this process in our bodies known as muscle protein synthesis or muscle growth. Plant based sources have a lot less or a lot lower amount of essential amino acids compared to animal based proteins. So, we've actually done research where you need more plant based protein to trigger the same response that you would get with maybe 20 grams of animal based protein. You might need 40 grams of plant based protein to trigger that same response.
0: Interesting. And and, and I'm I'm kind of intrigued by something you just said because. I almost feel like in the health space, granted I'm biased because, you know, because I'm openly keto and write keto food, but am I wrong in saying that I think there's a big myth that keto is bad for athletes? And almost the exact opposite of that which is that there's a lot of athletes moving to plant-based and we saw that in that documentary which i don't really want to get into And, and and we you know and that's a whole big topic and again i'm with you on the bio uh individuality and i love and respect all diets i think there's a healthy way and an unhealthy way to do everything and that's that's true for keto too but i feel like there's this this common Thought that keto's not good for athletes; that it's just this weight loss tool, but it's not good for athletes. I'm curious your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, super, super big myth, and and I I think being going plant based, like you said, doing anything that's not well formulated, isn't good, especially for athletes, right? Like athletes need to be at, they're the top 1% of the 1%, these, these professional athletes, like they need to be truly optimized. So like any diet that they embark on or any way of eating or any lifestyle that they choose to do needs to be really dialed in and optimized. And back in 2012, uh, this was a question that I had because back then there was very little research on keto, on muscle, on performance. And so we did the first study back in t- 2012, looking at, can you eat a well-formulated ketogenic diet and gain muscle and lose fat compared to eating the same amount of protein? We matched the amount of protein because that's often something that people say is, oh, well, the reason why keto had had great results is because they ate more protein and in most cases, do people tend to eat more protein when they're keto than when they're carb-based? Sure. Sure. But We're so getting we full that. from meat. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You're getting, you're getting good quality sources of food from right. like meat-based sources. But we matched that. We made sure both groups ate the same amount of protein. And after 10 weeks, the ketogenic dieting group is able to gain just as much muscle, yet lose significantly more fat uh, than hmm. the carbohydrate-based group. And one of the interesting things that we saw was actually testosterone went up in the ketogenic group, like pretty sig- significantly, probably because they're eating higher amounts of cholesterol, which we know is a precursor sure. to some of these hormones. Interesting. I don't know. I, I think this is pretty fascinating because like,
0: I think that there's a lot of myths or, or when we, we dive into it. We could do a whole a whole season uh, just talking about the myths in the diet space. And so I think it's really important to kind of address some of those things with you. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm really curious about something you said a little bit earlier. And maybe this is just me, again, purely anecdotal. But I, you, you'd mentioned earlier that there may be people better suited to a higher carb diet than others. And there may be people better suited to keto. I almost feel like my dna is meant to be keto right like i lived a super healthy vegetarian life and my body was not feeling it um i i was I, it just wasn't working for me at the same time i feel like i could eat as much meat as i want and do phenomenal with it i i like i almost feel like i'm this like russian bear that i just want to eat like salmon and 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 game meat and stuff and that i'm meant for that but somebody like i don't know born and raised in the caribbean might might thrive on a diet of fruit and, and and a certain different type of... I'm kind of curious about that. Is there genetic um, disposition to certain dietary habits?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's called epigenetics. It's an entire field of study okay. about how our prenatal environment really can help dictate our lives for the better or worse in some cases. Like you're seeing it now and so, and unfortunately, it's it's in more cases than not for the worse. Like some kids that are being born are, are getting dealt a, a worse card just because of what their parents parenting. Like That's think true. about that for a second, like their parents, ate fast food and drank and all this stuff and it's having an impact on them before they even had a chance at life, like before they even come out. And and when I say that, some people, and that could have a large part in it. And one of the things that we used to in you'll hear a lot of in just the nutrition space as a whole is is this term called insulin sensitivity, meaning how sensitive are you to to insulin? And a good representation without going into it is like we all know someone, if, if you're listening to this, we all know someone in our family, in our friend group that will go to a party and they will eat the entire cake, not just a bite, they'll eat the entire cake and they'll wake up the next morning and post a picture on Instagram and have eight pack abs. That person is extremely insulin sensitive, right? If they're able to eat that much, and have that type of physique still they they have a great degree of insulin sensitivity versus some of us might be like this is me inside the other counterpart is you look at that piece of cake and you're like (laughs) and you gain gain a pound (laughs) yeah yeah
0: Yeah, that's me for sure
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's more insulin resistant and like cool those people who are more like that fare better on a lower carbohydrate approach Whereas the people who can eat that cake and still have abs can they get away with eating a high amount of carbs? Absolutely.
0: Interesting. And I'm assuming some of that's affected by genetics. Some of that's just, yep. you know, what we're what we're blessed with at birth. Exactly. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I, I think that um, keto has really worked for me, but I feel like I've yeah. never really preached it or pushed it. Um, and what I think is really interesting about what you do is that uh, in a similar way, you don't really preach it, although you've written... Amazing books about it. You've done these studies, but you've been very open to whatever came out of that study, you know, that research. And I think that's really, really important because I don't believe that keto is a magic pill per se. I don't believe it solves everything. I don't personally believe that keto is for everybody at all. I know vegans who have thrived their whole lives uh, on that diet. You know, I've been to India and seen entire populations who live their lives as vegetarians healthy and happy and thriving. So I I don't think it's for everybody, but it really has changed my life. And I've always kind of wondered why, you know, but I do notice what you're saying. Um, You know, there's some people also, and I don't know if this plays into this all uh, at all in regards to the insulin sensitivity, but I do not feel like I need to eat very often. So in that sense, even before I was keto, I don't really I think, even since I'm a kid, my mom would always try to get me to eat breakfast. I never wanted it. I was doing IF before you know, it was cool or before it even meant anything. I just don't feel like I need to eat all throughout the day. I'm not a snacker, I never have been, but I want one huge meal at the end of the day, let's say. And that's been pretty much the same way my whole life. Um, at the, at the opposite of that is I know people, including my fiance, who like they need to eat every few hours. And when they don't, it's like the hangry comes out. Right. So how do yeah. you how do you identify that? And what is that? And, and is there something we can do to kind of like actually control that? Or is that just our physio- physiology?
1: No, I was that person like I was that per- I was the person who who would have Lucky Charms for breakfast and pour more sugar on the Lucky Charms. (laughs) It wouldn't just be one bowl. It would be like three bowls of Lucky Charms every single morning. Like disgusting amount of sugar before I even went to school, I'm like, Ma, how did you let me that's do this? Funny. But, <laughs> it's crazy now thinking about that. But I was that person. And a lot of people are riding what I call this carb roller coaster. And mm. it really is. We're dictated by our blood sugar. And that's really what hangry is. I used to get that way where like I needed to eat every two hours or have like a bar or something. Something, right. It, yeah, it's really dictated by our blood sugar. Like when our blood sugar, when, when I used to eat four bowls of Lucky Charms in the morning, my blood sugar would spike up. But guess what? As fast as it went up, my body would release a bunch of insulin to try and bring it back down. And then it wouldn't come back to baseline. It would go below baseline. And now when it's below, now my, my body's saying, I'm starving. Give me more food. And you're riding this up and down all day long. Whereas with keto, you don't really have these huge spikes, right? You're not, you're not getting this huge glucose <laughs> response. You're kind of just chilling. Right?
0: right. Right. For sure. It's like one of those things that I like, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I kind of feel like I was like meant to find keto at some point in my life. It's it's really yeah. the only thing that's made sense for me. I was always searching for the answers for like how to feel better. I had uh, stomach aches basically my whole life. I, I didn't know why I thought it was lactose intolerance. I thought it was this. I thought it was that. And it, it like within a week of doing keto, I, I like literally don't get stomach aches anymore. Years later, it's it's really shocking. Um. Okay. So you made me think of a few other myths because we brought up one of those myths that athletes can't do keto. And, and I'm sure without rehashing that, there are ways of controlling that, you know, with, um, with carb cycling. And I'm sure if you're burning a ton of calories and super active, you can have a little bit more carbs than somebody like me, who's not super active and still stay in ketosis, but I'm going to throw and a couple. One other,
1: one, one oh, other yeah. thing on the athletes, um, really quick, cause I forgot to mention this Please. endurance act. There's plenty of data on endurance athletes, because think about this, our body can only store a finite amount of glucose, Mm. right? In the form of glycogen, it's our stored form of carbohydrates. But guess what? It doesn't matter how lean you are, we all have body fat. That is a limitless supply of fuel if we know how to tap into it. And so that's why you're starting to see a lot of these long duration, long distance athletes, these triathlon or Ironman athletes dominate on ketosis because they kind of are able to tap in to this alternative source of fuel, which is their own body fat to keep going versus slugging down these, these, uh, shakes or slugging right. down these gels that are full of carbohydrates and that destroy their stomachs. Like, no, they're able to just crush it. So that's one of the other applications for endurance athletes. It's
0: really funny. You brought that up. Cause I was just speaking to this, um, a marathon runner who's like, yeah, the only thing I need for my runs is water and salt um, and they run uh, a half marathon every single day and one marathon on the weekends. They are the, the endurance athlete. And they're like, all I literally need is water and salt. And then I eat like normal afterwards, um, which That's I thought amazing. was wild. Like, I, I, it blew my mind. Like, how is that even yeah. possible? <laughs> yeah. But I guess you're right. All right, so a few more myths. I'm just gonna start rapid fire. Talk as much or as little as you want, because uh, like, a lot of these things, once I open a can, we could go down a rabbit hole about it. But um, while we're on the topic, I think you had mentioned cholesterol. I think you brought mm-hmm. that up earlier. Uh, let's talk cholesterol for a second. I know this is a big topic that could be a whole episode and maybe it will be, but cholesterol, all this fat and meat on a keto diet can't be good for us, right? Yeah.
1: So it's funny. <laughs> we all heard, there's a very popular name that I think everyone in, in the nutrition, if you've heard of, or been around nutrition, you know, it's a guy named Ansel Keys, right? So Ansel Keys, whether you, you love him or you hate him, like he actually did the first study that I was like, damn, he did something really, really good. He did the first study where he overfed people with a ton of eggs. He gave, and this is in the 1950s, gave them a ton of eggs, which are very high in cholesterol, and found that it had zero change on serum, or meaning blood cholesterol. He was the first person to show that dietary cholesterol, meaning cholesterol from the foods that we eat, doesn't have a huge impact or a negative impact On our blood cholesterol, so even though he did other things on the fat front that weren't so great, he did a good study on the cholesterol. That's
0: that's why I'm laughing right now because you know he's sort of synonymous with with starting (laughs) this movement that grains are heart healthy. Um, so I I, kind of like wanted to step back for a second when you mentioned him positively, which is really funny. But look, that's science, right? Like I'm sure he got some things right and some things very wrong, but.
1: Uh, exactly. That's interesting,
0: and and I know that there are a lot of people whose cholesterol rises on um, on a ketogenic diet. Um, mine personally has not; my levels have been unbelievably uh, stable across the board. But I'm I'm curious for anybody whose cholesterol has gone up, if you would have any advice for how to handle it, uh, maybe what to approach their doctor with uh, in that context.
1: Sure, and I and I think. It does tend to have, my cholesterol has gone up. Uh, and when I went to my doctor, he's like, dude, like what's going on? He started mentioning like, hey, should we, should we think about putting you on a stand? And I'm like, no, no. like absolutely yeah. not. I was like, let me explain to you my way of eating. And this is, this is why it happens. The challenge is typical blood panels, looking at just total cholesterol and LDL cholesterol, aren't very good. Um, they are not good markers of health. Uh, you need to look kind of underneath the hood. And so what I would recommend you go to your doctor with is say, can I get, it's called an NMR, like the letters NMR, lipoprofile test. And what that will do is that will give you a look underneath the hood and you need to look at particle size. You need to look at triglycerides. You need to look at hemoglobin A1C, some of these other factors that are more associated with things like cardiovascular disease than just total cholesterol because it's not. The data on total cholesterol and having a negative impact on cardiovascular health is awful. There's, very, there's not very good data showing that high amounts of cholesterol has a negative impact on cardiovascular disease. Um, that's kind of been a big myth. Our friend Dr. David Diamond did a really good piece. Ah, yeah, the, he- the
0: demonization of cholesterol, I believe, is the yep. the video title. Yeah, yeah, that's wild. So, so we'll call that one officially a myth. <laughs> we'll call that one officially a myth. Okay. Um, we need a lot of salt on the keto diet. You hear this all the time. Uh, it's it's kind of shoved down our throats. Um, is it true? Myth or reality? And why?
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I like this one. Um, I, it's, I guess it depends on what you classify as a lot. I tend to <laughs> sure. salt. Or I'm eating more salt now than I probably did my first two decades of my life, right? (laughs) Um, it's, It's crazy. But the reason why your electrolyte intake and salt is one of them, potassium and magnesium are two of the other ones, calcium, not so much, but those three, magnesium, potassium, and sodium, your needs for them tend to go up on a ketogenic diet. The reason is when carbohydrates are low, and insulin is low, we tend to, there's processes that go on in our body where we excrete out a lot more electrolytes, right. right? So we're when we urinate or we go to the bathroom, we're, we're excreting out a lot of fluid and with fluid comes electrolytes. Whereas when we have a high amount of carbohydrates, a high amount of insulin, we store that. Insulin helps pull those electrolytes in and stores them. And that's why it's gotten demonized. Very similarly to cholesterol, salt's gotten demonized because guess what? When you have the Big Mac and large fry, it's not the salt That's the (laughs) issue. It's the high amount of carbohydrates and insulin that are causing you to store salt And guess what? You're packing on another two grams of salt with it, and it's not going anywhere
0: Correlation is not causation in that case
1: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. All right. So
0: so salt is a reality (laughs) So similar to that extent because I get I get asked this question a lot, and, and it's kind of a twofold thing. Um, we know no one's arguing uh, keto or not. I don't think anybody can really argue that we probably all eat too many carbs and too much sugar, especially just in a standard American or Western approach to eating. But when you dive into keto versus low carb, I guess you could say there's there's a lot of discussion around. You really need to pump in the fats, fat bombs, bulletproof coffee, and in the inverse of that being. Be careful with protein. Protein can cause, um, you know, fat gain. Too much protein can be problematic. So let's talk about that for a second. Bumping the fats through extra means uh, and and limiting protein or maybe increasing protein. Where do you stand on these things and how to kind of dial in and out with that?
1: Yeah. So uh, I think both are are common myths um, in a sense that like you don't need to force in fat. The way I look at a a well-formulated ketogenic approach is you have a carbohydrate threshold. And that varies for everyone. Meaning if you're someone who has a little bit more insulin resistance, your net amount of carbohydrates that you you might be consuming might be a little bit lower. If you're someone who's exercising a lot, you could probably have a little bit more carbohydrates. That's first and foremost. The second thing is protein, right? You want to make sure you're getting in enough protein. We'll talk about the too much in a little bit, but you want to make sure you're getting enough. I get worried more so about people not getting enough than people getting too much because with keto, you tend to only have like one or two meals a day. And if you're not having a good portion of protein with that meal, you might only be getting 20 to 40 mm. grams of protein a day. Right. And that's insufficient for overall health. And then look at fat. And I like to say, use fat as a lever, right? If you're hungry and you're like starving, guess what? Take your steak and put a little butter or ghee on top of it and bump those fats up. But it's if you're at the end of the day and you're like, oh, I'm sitting here, I'm completely full, I'm getting ready for bed, but you know what? I have to have 75% fat. Let me right. scarf down a fat bomb. No, it's, it's unnecessary. Right, right, right. Well, and and this
0: will lead me to my next question because we're kind of, We're kind of hitting a rapid fire pace, which I like right now, but you know, it feels like this thing where people, I I like how you said fat is a lever, but similarly you can overdo it. You know, I I see people who want to lose weight and keto is so much bigger than just weight loss, but um, you know, they want to lose weight, but they're waking up and they're having um, you know, a bulletproof coffee or, or diving in a little bit too heavy on the fats in the morning because of the, of the benefits of, of of it keeping you full for longer. So I understand that, but understanding that too much fat could be just as problematic as too much protein or vice versa. I mean, it's all kind of finding a balance of all of it. Um, But there is a lot of, I guess I would say pushing of these ideas of, Oh, if you're not having a bulletproof coffee, you're not keto, you know, like you get into these weird cultural things. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like there's so many strange cultural associations with keto. And similarly, the other side of that is I get people who are not keto ask me all the time, like, how can you eat all that fat, all that fat? I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't, I mean, yes, technically I do, but, it doesn't feel like I'm sitting around with a spoon and a stick of butter. You know, like most Uh. of what I eat is, is just through the foods that I'm eating. And um, you know, there's small changes that, that one can make. So like from the food perspective, buying, chicken thighs instead of chicken breast buying a ribeye instead of uh, um, a leaner cut of steak or or beef there's ways of getting in that fat naturally through the diet and through small changes that will add up throughout the day without having to force fats Um, which leads me to my next question which is let's talk calories so so we have addressed the myth of uh, of protein and fat needing to be controlled. However, there's a major myth that weight loss is just calories in calories out. This is a this is much bigger than the keto discussion. So so I'm opening the discussion out even beyond keto, but is weight loss just calories? Is it just calorie deficiency?
1: Great question. Um and I I get in many Uh, debates with my colleagues on this because a lot of times people say, well, you need to be in a caloric deficit. Like it's just eat less, move more. And I, I, that, that aggravates me to, to, to put it nicely Uh, so much because I know people my brother has struggled with weight his entire life and people would look at me like just put the fork down bud like it's not that simple like it's the same thing of telling someone who's depressed like just be happy it's not <laughs> right. that simple like it's 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 there's something deeper and so when it comes to weight loss Looking at it from just a calories in, calories out perspective, there are so many, that applies in a closed system. Well, the thing about our bodies is we're an open system, right? We do movement throughout the entire day. We exercise. Guess what? All calories aren't the same. Like like having uh, four calories of a high quality protein versus four calories of a low quality protein (laughs) has been shown to change body composition differently. And like... That alone should show you, like having 100 calories from sugar versus 100 calories from fiber, very different metabolic response. So there's much more to this discussion, even with fats. There are fats like MCTs that are less likely to get stored than other fats. So our bodies are a very dynamic, our bodies are a very open system. At some point, do calories matter? Absolutely, there there is can we pinpoint and go it's just this exact number if you eat this many calories and you move this many calories you're going to lose weight forever if that were the case then we wouldn't be facing the challenges and problems that we're facing in our our world today it would just be a numbers game it's not that it's not that way we're different
0: well and and that's what you you reminded me of this discussion when you talked about fat as a as a lever and and that's the way i see calories too right because certainly, like you said, it can be a tool for weight loss and understanding if we're at an extreme end of, of a calorie count in our daily regimen, obviously it's going to have an impact on us. But um, I've definitely found it to be not everything. You know, We, we think of um, hitting plateaus and I think that when our body does amazing things, right? So as we start losing weight in the beginning, we're going to see a huge drop typically. um, And then it will kind of, the curve will flatten a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so into a weight loss journey, and my weight loss journey has now been three years and I'm still playing with these levers, right? Um, We have to readjust because that first drop happens and then it starts to level and we get a plateau, we get frustrated, we start to, what am I doing wrong? Do I need to just drop calories another 200 a day? Um, But then at a certain point, that doesn't work. I mean, when does that end? You know, if we're just talking calorie drops, at some point, we're going to shrivel up and starve. Um, Right. Where does that end? Because calories are fuel for us. Um, And so I, I guess my question is, are there other factors that we can use if we hit a plateau? Like one of the things that I found personally, again, purely anecdotal, was that When I hit a a big stall at one point in my weight loss journey, I realized that I needed to make one simple change and it had nothing to do with my macros. It had nothing to do with my calories. I had to stop eating two hours before I went to sleep because all that food was just sitting there being absorbed all night or whatever. I don't know the science behind it. For the last year or so, I have just eliminated eating before going to bed and making sure that I'm sitting up after I eat. Just very minor lifestyle changes. And it has had a major impact on my life. So, I do not believe this idea that it's just calorie positive or calorie negative. But, you know, scientifically speaking, and in your studies, have you been able to figure out beyond just dialing in macros, are there ways that we can push through a plateau uh, or push through a weight loss stall that aren't calorie related?
1: Yeah, uh, great points. And I, I, I want to touch on, there's a very famous study that looked at like the biggest losers, for example, and to mm. your point, at what point do you hit zero, right? Right. <laughs> on the biggest losers, right? Exercise them to extremes, diet them to extremes. And guess what? Six years after they're on the show, their metabolism is still hindered. Like it messes these people up long-term and like that's why rapid regain is is very common in, right. in those individuals. So we need, to, we need to try and work on strategies to prevent that. Two of my favorite and, and I love that you mentioned uh, one of them is, is like changing your eating window or eating frequency. I recommend people calorie cycle. So okay. like on some days that you're more active, say it's Sunday and you're taking the pups out for a hike, guess what? Eat a little bit more that day if you're going to go out, or like, hey, guess what? If it's Sunday and you're like, it's raining out, screw this. I just want to watch Netflix. Fine, like you don't need to eat as much, right? It, mm-hmm. It's like fuel your day, and so throughout the week, like I go through periods where I'll have a lower, lower days. Some days I'll have higher. Like I will, I will uh, calorie cycle. And the other thing you talked about, and this might be one of the other reasons why limiting your eating before you go to bed is helping. Is this concept, and that's why I love – you talk about this all the time. It's a ketogenic lifestyle because right. I promise you this. No matter if you have your nutrition dialed in, if you have exercise dialed in, there are other pillars to our life that if they are not dialed in, you will not see the changes that you're looking to see. Sleep is one of them. Stress mm. is one of them. All of these other things factored in. So I, I bet – if I were betting, you are probably getting better quality sleep – whether whether you know it or not, because Ah. you're getting more growth hormone. Because when when you're going through periods where you're not eating going into the night, you're probably getting a higher spike in growth hormone throughout the night, which helps us go into a deeper sense of sleep, which is allowing you to have better overall changes probably in your your life in general. So that's one aspect as well, just to think about.
0: Interesting. Yeah. I didn't really connect that. (laughs) I was blaming the food, but you're right. It could have had an effect on my sleep patterns as well. Um, and mm-hmm. and similarly to that, digestion is a huge part of this. Gut health yeah. uh, is a big part of this. So let's talk for a quick second uh, about gut health, um, probiotics, and other ways of keeping our gut health happy, because I definitely believe that our stomach is a major part of our entire metabolic structure um, and, and how we function. So talk about that for a second, if you don't mind, how we can keep our gut health happy that could have been another factor sure. in my, in my eating habits, which also will lead me to the next question after
1: this. For sure. Uh, our guts are second brain, right? Like right. there, it's, it's really where our immune system kicks in is, is inside of our gut. And the thing, the way to think about it is like there are billions of bacteria going uh, floating all around inside your stomach even though you're like oh my god that, that might feel really weird now thinking about that but there are and some of them are good some of them are bad um, and when I say bad those are the ones that tend to cause like bloating and gas and all that stuff whereas your good ones are the ones that help you feel happy and sort of these things and help you digest food and and all those things so i I like to to do this is why I sit in the middle again of like I'm not completely plant-based. I'm not completely carnivore. I like biodiversity inside of my gut. So I, at times I have fermented foods. Uh, I, I like things like yogurt. Like I think there's amazing low carb yogurt, uh, kimchi, Same. things like that to help create this biodiversity inside of my gut. And my gut loves it. And there are some things, like some fibers, for example, and this is where it can get tricky inside of the keto space if you're having all these products. Some fibers absolutely destroy my stomach. And I know the bad guys are loving that. They're soaking it up. They're eating away at that fiber. And like I get (laughs) gas, and loading. And I'm like, nope, the good guys want something different. So I, I tend to just switch it up. Right. Well, and, and I, bring, I brought up the, the
0: discussion of gut health because I have also, as I said, sort of unintentionally, but now very intentionally uh, found a lot of benefits to fasting. So my next um, myth, since that's, what, <laughs> since that's what we're talking today, is do you have to fast to be successful on keto? Great question.
1: Um, and the simple answer is No. Uh, You don't need to fast on to be successful. There are plenty of people who are successful without fasting. They could eat three meals a day. The thing that I've learned and what I've seen from many people and inside of the research, what we see is that, but naturally people tend to eat less and want to condense that eating period naturally, right? The biggest benefit that I've come across that I think is universal across ketosis And this can apply to 99% of the world. 99% of the world, we're living in a time where uh, people are controlled by food, right? They are no longer in control of like, oh my God, there's a snack over there. Let me go get it. Ketosis puts appetite back in your control. And I think that's the most powerful benefit of ketosis is it allows you to say, you know what, am I just wanting a snack or am I actually hungry? Like is my body or is (laughs) it like, no, I just know there's cookies over there and I think I want it or am I actually hungry? Ketosis kind of brings back that control.
0: Interesting. Yeah. You know, uh, I think the theme today is sort of these levers, right? (laughs) And and as you're talking, I'm thinking about that uh, because it's definitely something that I have found powerful, but I think that it's important to bring up the discussion of fasting, because I think there's a lot of misconceptions sure. around it. Uh, I worry sometimes when I see people online doing extreme fasts for reasons that I think may be, uh, dare I say, dangerous. Um, sure. I do long fasts. I do, I do them for very specific reasons, but I do not do them for weight loss. Um, I'm kind of curious, you know, we see a lot of this on the internet and, and, and there's both sides of the coin because I've been in rooms, um, or been in discussions with people who basically say, I don't know, like I really want to do keto, but I just, I can't do the fasting, And they're, they're so intimidated because it's like, oh my gosh, fasting and keto do go hand in hand almost naturally. Uh, but it's not required. And I'm glad you said that, but. How do we kind of talk about fasting? Maybe you can explain better the benefits to fasting and and clarifying some of the dangers behind fasting for the wrong reasons. Because what we don't want to do is demonize food. What we don't want to do is make food an enemy or or use fasting as a punishment. Uh, I see this constantly. People will say online, well... You know, I cheated over the weekend. I ate cake over Christmas. So I'm just going to fast for two days. Uh, Is that valid? Does that have dietary validity?
1: Yeah, I share the exact same concerns that you do. Like I'm more worried about long-term behavior change, right? Mm. And so it's this tricky, tricky battle because some people – like they never thought they could do a 24-hour fast. And like after they do it, they're like, oh my they – they get this sense of food freedom where they're like, right. oh, OK, cool. Like I'm no longer controlled by food. That's great. That's a That's a great place to be in. But to your point, there's other people who are like, I just had a terrible weekend. I ate every cookie in sight. Let me fast as a form of punishment. Or you have these people who are like, I want to lose weight, so I'm going to do this 72-hour fast. And it leads to this like – Binge starvation cycle. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's brutal. I I thought that when I first started, like the first time, because I was one of those people. Like I said earlier, I was one of those people who used to have five meals a day and snacks. And someone told me, like, "Oh, you need to fast uh, on it on this ketogenic diet." I'm like, "Fast? Like I haven't gotten longer than three hours." They're like, "No, no, <laughs> you need to you need to fast for like sixteen hours." I fasted for sixteen hours. And the eight hours that I was in my quote-unquote eating window, I probably ate 10,000 calories and felt like trash. Like it was it was awful because it was this binge cycle of like right. – I, I like had a timer on. I was like I cannot eat until 6 o'clock tonight. But when I started eating, it was like – a game on buffet right. Anything in my house went And it didn't matter And I'm, I get more worried about that as well Like that should not be Yeah, and,
0: and that's should. probably more damaging to the body To go through those swings Than just like yep. just eat normally Yeah, I, I don't know I, You know, I love fasting So I'm not saying that it's a bad thing, I I find it actually really empowering. And I'm glad you use the B word because I do uh, very openly have a binge eating problem. And it's something that I have, especially through my adult years, been able to really identify and work on. And so for me, I find fasting really empowering beyond the metabolic values, beyond the autophagy. Um, Understanding that I am in control of my food is very empowering for me. And sometimes I need those reminders um, but I do get concerned when I see people, um, saying like, oh, I've been fasting for 36 hours, I'm six pounds down. And like, it's like, be careful, I guess I want to say, and and yeah. I don't know and because I don't know the science, because I don't know the realities of why I feel better when I fast. Um, I, I think it was just something that I really wanted to bring up with you. And it, and it sounds like somehow we, again, we kind of have found the same conclusions, but, there is science. So I don't want to say fasting. neither of us would say fasting itself is a myth as a tool.
1: Oh no, no.
0: But yeah, yeah. there's no, a good way well, and a bad way to do it.
1: <laughs> exactly. And a lot of it's dictated by mindset. Like so you say, like I naturally, I naturally do it. I do a 24 hour fast once a week. I do intermittent fasting throughout the weekdays, but then I don't do fasting on the weekends where right. I'm hanging along with the pup and the family. But um, like, like, it's, it's, for me, that's a natural process. Now, if you're someone who's struggled with these like starvation binge episodes, you just need to be careful about it. Because like you said, the the repercussions uh, of that could be far worse than what you're trying to achieve by doing the fasting itself, right? So right. there are benefits to fasting, autophagy, like I said, food freedom, keeping blood glucose regulated, but just take proper precautions and, and make sure you're not going through these cycles right because because you know just because you eat like shit
0: for two days on the weekend and then you starve for two days does not equal zero
1: right exactly
0: Exactly. it's not it's not simple arithmetic (laughs) you know and it's almost like you know i have to wonder what going through those cycles does to our body um what would you say to somebody who has had that cheat weekend What would you say to somebody that's, that, that's fallen off and feels like, well, well, how do I get back into ketosis fast and natural? And like, you know, what would you say to somebody rather than just don't eat for two days to make up for it?
1: I would say the best way to get back into ketosis is to, and get back on track is to take the first step and get back on track. That's Mm -hmm. like, just get started. You don't need to go through a long period of fasting. Maybe that next day, guess what? Rather than go beat yourself up in the gym take an extra walk with your pup or your family. Like that's a better, better, healthier way to do it. Like, cool, you're getting in a little bit more exercise, you can feel better about it, but like you're also bonding with your dog or your family or your partner or whoever. Like that's the way to do it. And then the thing that I would just say is like, if you're starting to create this pattern where like every weekend, you're binging on and you're going through these cycles, there's a deeper issue. So address that deeper issue. Why are you having blowouts on the weekend? Like, why are you crushing an entire pizza every Saturday night or having a buffet style breakfast every Sunday morning and you just can't control (laughs) yourself? There's something deeper there. Let's work on that versus the aftermath.
0: Yeah, I think that's really brilliant. Thank you for saying that. I I totally agree. And, and, And I think that and maybe I'm wrong, maybe this is just a myth, so actually I'll throw this, this little bonus myth in here. Is ketosis only a function of a lack of carbohydrates? or do we need, and this goes back a little bit to our fat question, but is ketosis merely a lack of carbohydrates, which is why I'm thinking about this, is let's say somebody does have a bad weekend, on Monday morning, could they just do, say, a day of carnivore and still eat, but avoid as many carbs as possible for a few days to kick them back into ketosis? Do you know what I'm asking?
1: Yeah, absolutely, uh, it, 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 that, that'd be a great strategy. Ketosis is tricky um, because primarily, Um, like ketosis by nature is having an elevation of ketone levels inside of your blood in which you're utilizing ketones as your primary fuel source. You can do that technically if you're eating, and I'm not recommending this, but if you're eating hundred grams, 200 grams of carbohydrates and you're slugging down MCT oil every 30 minutes, If you can hold off from running to the bathroom, because that sounds like disaster pants, (laughs) but if you can hold off on running to the bathroom, you technically would still be in quote-unquote ketosis because you're having so much fat turnover, right? That's not a well-formulated ketogenic diet. Highly, do not recommend that. But technically, they're in ketosis. But primarily, ketosis is a void of carbohydrates, a decrease in glucose in such a way that your body ramps up fat metabolism and it starts producing these things called ketone bodies that you're now utilizing as fuel.
0: Interesting. Okay. I'll throw out one more myth because we could do this all day, but I have to cut it off at some point. Uh, And this one, this is a pretty important topic to me. Um, And and again, I have some of my own experiences with it, but there's a lot of discussion right now around COVID-19 around the coronavirus uh, and around how we should be handling this both kind of at a macro and a micro level, right? Um, You know, obviously, as somebody who's a a starch believer in science, I I think mask wearing is an incredibly important uh, tool that everybody can and should be doing. As somebody who has family in the medical profession, uh, both doctors and nurses, Um, I think it's really important that we respect the hard work that people on the front lines are doing by wearing masks and by respecting our neighbors, right? And doing everything we can to control something that's killing people every day. That being said, there is a, we'll call it a myth. I have no idea what your thoughts are on this, but that Had we all had better control of our metabolisms, that our immunity and our response to something like COVID-19 as a virus would be significantly improved if we all had better control over our metabolic states. Now, outside of COVID-19, I can say that, again purely anecdotally, I really don't get sick. I haven't gotten a flu or even a common cold basically since the day I started keto. Again, that means nothing in science. (laughs) But I do believe that it has done something for my health. There's been a few particular moments where I've kind of been in my own science experiment where, and I'll just say what it is, when I was at MasterChef and I was on set, we were living together with my cast and crew. Um, especially the cast, we all live together in this one place. And when I tell you that every single person got sick and it spread like wildfire, every single person, they had to shut down production because everybody got sick except for me. And it's, it was a pretty closed environment. So I'm not saying it's science. My God, I'm not an idiot, but it did make me think what, you know, what am I doing different that I'm the only one in this in this facility that's not sick right now at all, um, and mm-hmm. so you know I bring that up to say that I'm a little torn. Now, again, I preface this with saying I find it not only critical for people to wear masks and to do everything they can uh, to stop the spread of this disease, and I almost think it's disrespectful when I see people who don't. I think it's selfish. That's me. However, is there power? in not only keto you know a keto world but just in general is there power in fighting disease through a stronger metabolism
1: absolutely um i've been i've been very outspoken that's a that's a fantastic question i've been very outspoken on this and it's it's such a sensitive topic and, and it it's, is. it's tough because there are a lot of people who are getting very sick and unfortunately people who are dying. And, and yeah. you look at what's been happening across the entire world throughout this global pandemic, and the reality is it's targeting our most vulnerable populations right. at, at scale, right? Are there people who are metabolically healthy that are getting sick and some of them passing away? Of course. Absolutely. That, that's yeah. happened primarily you look at the survival rate in age groups in people who some of these underlying predisposing conditions things like heart disease obesity type 2 diabetes where the rates are way higher than than say younger people right so yes uh, I do think there's a lot of evidence we've been we've been actively writing papers about this we're actually writing one right now looking at like deep in-depth analysis of like how COVID binds to cells and how, like a lot of people aren't even dying from the COVID, from COVID itself. It's from the inflammatory cascade or what they're calling, it's called a cytokine storm, which is basically where so much inflammation is going on in your body that your body starts attacking itself and you can't control this inflammatory cascade and you just go nuts. It's an an autoimmune
0: response, I'm guessing. Basically.
1: Yeah. So you're basically attacking your body's own immune system and it's, it's, it's why it's, it's like sets like wildfire. And that's why, it happens very quickly. um, so I, it's tough because listen, no, I don't think there's one human being to blame for what we could have done. I wouldn't have wanted to be in, in anyone's position to make universal calls throughout the thing. Like I'm hoping we're, we're working towards a way to get that better, but like, had we known what we know now, back a year ago or when this thing first kicked off, I do think we would be in a different position today if we worked as a country or as a world together to start taking steps to make metabolic health a priority, right? Yes, wearing masks and, and, and being when you're around other people, not breathing in their face. Absolutely. But while we're doing that, let's focus on making better nutrition choices with our food, because guess what? That means lower inflammation. We might be able to lower the amount of obesity or type two diabetes, which sadly, I think what we're going to see as the data comes out, not only did we not do that, we kind of went in the other direction, right? Tiger, after Tiger King came out, it all, all held them to loose. <laughs> it, it, it all broke out, right? It, it was brutal. Like. At, <laughs> We started just sitting around watching more Netflix, ordering Uber Eats because we were staying inside of our houses. Gyms started closing down and it was just this cascade of events that like people are probably in a worse metabolic condition today than they were pre-pandemic and that's alarming. It's scary.
0: Yeah. I mean, the idea of just sitting around and waiting for a vaccine Seems crazy too,
1: and and what we're seeing now is like it's not bulletproof. Like it, 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 there's holes in the system because sure. there's different variants, right? And guess what? When you develop a vaccine, developments, uh, kudos, like thank God for the people who are on the front lines doing that work, people who are who people who are administering that. But we're seeing that it's as much as effort as it took to create that. Guess what? There's still holes. Because there's new variants coming out and in South Africa, they're not responding to a certain vaccine that's being administered because there's this new variant. And like, it's like, well, at what point there's a film that actually came out that was pretty damn scary. It was talking about like COVID 25. Like I was talking about this with Jacob is like, this isn't the first and it's not the last pandemic we will face. Like it's as much as that sucks to say, like, it's, it's the hard truth. And so at what point do we realize like we can't keep pumping out vaccines fast enough to be able to deal with this? We need to do what we can do to control it ourselves. And that is make metabolic health a priority and work on it for not only for ourselves, but our friends and our family, because the healthier we are, the less likely we will be to transmit it or have a negative effect on them as well.
0: Right. No, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Honestly, I, I mean, I think Beyond just the discussion of a coronavirus structure, getting our metabolic health under control as a society, as a globe, I think is just, it's absolutely critical now more than ever. But I have, I will say that I have seen people on the internets basically make the claim that keto is an effective weapon for the coronavirus. So, very simply put, Is keto an effective weapon against the coronavirus?
1: I think there's so much, there's unknowns. Um, I think there are papers that are published. um, There's literally papers that are published looking at ketogenic therapies to combat COVID-19. Like, I think that's incredible that that work's being done. There's active trials looking at both a ketogenic diet and exogenous ketones right now in COVID patients, which is fascinating. And the primary mechanism is we know a ketogenic state's anti-inflammatory. If we can lower inflammation, systemic inflammation in people, then there's less binding sites for coronavirus because the more inflammation you have, the more binding sites there is for coronavirus, right? The The more binding sites, the more likely it is to bind get inside of the cell and then it starts replicating and then all hell breaks loose. If we have less binding sites and we can lower the amount of inflammation, maybe there's something there. And so it's promising, but I don't think definitively we can say keto a ketosis or a ketogenic diet combats it. Do I think it's better off than the standard American diet? Absolutely.
0: Interesting. And and with inflammation, you know, I guess what I'd say is you mentioned it, we got to start making better decisions. So for anybody who might be listening right now, who's not keto. Mm -hmm. Inflammation is a universal tool to control, right? Bringing inflammation down, even just like you said, for disease, for anything is going to be a powerful tool. Are there any small feasible changes that any Joe Schmo or Jane Doe can make today to help work on minimizing
1: inflammation in their body, keto or not? Sure. Uh, A couple things. One, try and aim for 10,000 steps a day. Sounds intimidating, but just movement, just Hmm. getting your body moving. I know you do morning shows where you're walking morning walks. Yeah. Amazing. Um, That can help lower systemic inflammation, right? Getting good quality sleep. How do you get good quality sleep? Don't as much as we love clubhouse or whatever, don't have a bright screen laying in your bed, yeah. listening to us talk on clubhouse. No, like try and minimize blue lights while you're while, like inside of the bedroom, while you're going to sleep. And that's because the sleep
0: pattern is gonna help with the inflammation.
1: Correct, helps lower okay. inflammation. I didn't and then know some that. other things, right? Like right now, if, you, if you're into supplements or you can afford to get supplements, these aren't too expensive, you can get them on Amazon a good quality vitamin D3, right? Ideally, you can go outside. If you're in a place that has sun, go outside barefoot, shirt off, just go and get some sun, get it that way. If not, try and supplement with 5,000 to 10,000 IUs of vitamin D3. Fish oil, a good quality fish oil, that omega-3s help lower inflammation. Uh, that's, That's another one as well. So things like that, right? Sleep, movement, vitamin D and fish oil. Those are some easy tactics that if you're keto or not, those can be important.
0: Does stress play into inflammation?
1: Oh, huge. Really? Huge okay. And, and one of there's, there's a call. There's so many ways to buffer stress for me personally, two ways to think that I think about stress. One is gratitude journaling every morning before mm. I jump on and try and listen to you on clubhouse. I do my gratitude journaling, right? Three things I'm grateful for. Cause guess what? shit's gonna happen throughout the day. And it's very easy to become overwhelmed and stressed with the realities of life. But when you write down, I'll give you a perfect example. One of the one of the things I wrote down this morning was, I am grateful that Scooter, he's my three legged dog, um, woke up and he was breathing in my face, and I was like, Bud, you're, like he was just like super excited to get up. <laughs> right. and so, like, for me, that was a gratitude moment. Like as much as you're like, oh my gosh, you woke me up at five o'clock this morning, I was like, let me reframe right. this. I'm grateful for that. So guess what? Yeah. When some when I'm driving later on to go somewhere and someone cuts me off. in the road, like, rather than be like, like, what are you doing? I hate you, Bob, this sucks. Guess what? That just triggered a cortisol response. Instead, I'm going to be like, you know what? I'm grateful because tomorrow morning I'm going to wake up (laughs) and that little boy is going to be breathing in my face and I'm going to be the happiest guy alive. Like, that itself, along with some meditation practices of just like focusing on breathing, being in the moment, disconnecting from this a little bit in your cell phone, like those things can help lower stress. Right. Well, and, and, you know, one of the
0: things that I love about what you do and why I brought this up is that you talk a lot about positivity. Um, Mm -hmm. It's really a big part of your messaging, which is funny if you step back, right? Because you're so methodical about your approach towards diet and nutrition. And yet one of the things that I think you do best of all of it, because all of it's amazing is that you do a lot around mindset and positivity. Um, and, and I, I, I'm just curious for you, you know, how much you feel that plays into the science because it must, right?
1: It does. It does. And, and I've, I've learned this for, from my mom um, and I've had people who are super positive in my life people who are super negative. Um, and it's not something that came very easy to me. Um, but hmm. having a positive perspective is the core of my human, human soul. And that doesn't mean I'm this happy, go lucky guy all the time. Like no, there are times where it really sucks. Like I feel like the weight of the world's on my shoulders but it's just about my perspective, right? And so for me, looking at it from a scientific view, looking at it from nutrition, looking at it from exercise, it all comes down to through the lens in which we are viewing it, right? Yeah. You can change the lens at which you view anything. You can view something as the worst thing in the world, or you can view it as the best thing in the world. Guess what? Like the example I just gave, the person cuts you off on the highway and you're freaking out. You're, you're You asshole, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, guess what? That person could have been on the way to go deliver their baby or guess what? That split second that you saved by them cutting you off and you pressing on the brake and slowing down, guess what? That might've been a moment that saved your entire life. You never know. That might've been the moment you saved your entire life because had you been going 10 miles an hour faster, you might've went through the yellow light And someone ran, ran their red light. And that could have been the end of everything. Like, you never know. Like, so for me, it's all perspective. Yeah, I love that.
0: Because I (laughs) well, there's so much I want to say right now. But (laughs) even the story about your dog was just making me laugh, because my dog does this thing where he like lays down and completely takes over the entire bed like there's some mornings where i'm just like jesus fucking christ like dude you know um but you really even just now taught me to like check myself on that and just say like man i'm so grateful that he's here next to me right Um, i just love that uh,
1: like this and it's tough to think about it's tough to yeah yeah yeah. okay i'm like one day I'm going to be praying and wishing (laughs) that that bad breath is right there in my face. Like, (laughs) I'm going to be hopeful that that's like, and so why not be like one of the things that I have, it's my most powerful message on my, it's a tattoo on my arm. It says be here now, right? No matter what's going on in the world. A lot of times we get so caught up in the past. We get so future focused. We forget to live in the moment. And like, that's the core of like, perspective is like be present in the
0: moment yeah i really love that it's it's easier like it you know we can talk about how important it is to be positive but it's always easier to complain right it is. it's 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 yep. just it's so easy to complain it's so easy to find the annoyances in day-to-day life it's mm-hmm. harder to do that positivity work and i'm not good at it all the time you know that about me because we've talked you know <laughs> in many other ways than this but uh i'm not always feeling amazing. You know, I, I don't think anybody is we're humans and emotions are okay. Um, and, and so I don't, I don't want this conversation to say that people like you or I are just out here, you know, shitting rainbows and butterflies all the time. No, Cause uh, <laughs> yeah, we're not, you know, I mean, and I think it's part of life and it's okay to feel the downs. It's okay yeah. to feel all of it. Um, but those little micro micro changes like i love the dog story because like even for me i'm like oh i love that like i never thought of it that way there's going to be a day when my dog's not there taking up the whole bed and that's a hell of a lot worse than than what i'm getting today
1: lessons in the downs right yeah as like one and know some some of you might be listening to this or watching this and been like I'm at what I feel like is rock bottom, right? Well, guess Mm. what? That means you're poised for growth. Like there are so many lessons. The biggest lessons I've learned and we've worked with some incredible people in the world like Tony Robbins, Dr. Dre, some of of the coolest (laughs) people in the world. And like all of them talk about how the greatest lessons they learned weren't when they were at their best. It's when they were at their lowest, because guess what? There's so much that you learn internally about yourself, about your circle, right? It's a lot it's uh, that's yeah. one of the biggest things, right? Check your circle when you're at your lowest, not your highest cuz everyone wants to be around you when things are all fine and dandy and you are <laughs> right. shit, right? Everyone wants to be around that rainbow. No one wants to be around you when you're low, but the people who are, those are the people who are in your circle and that will fight with you and that you want to be with on the long term. So those are some some key takeaways that I've learned.
0: I love it. I love it so much, man. I, I don't think we're gonna end it on any other note than with all this positivity. I I just, I just, could talk to you for hours, so I'm really grateful to have you here. Uh, my last question for you is, what the hell do you got going on in 2021? Tell us where we can find you and some cool projects that you might be working on if you can talk about it, because uh, I would love to share whatever you're up to, because everything you put out is magic.
1: Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, we have have some exciting stuff going on. Um, We're redoing our entire website for keyodranc.com, which is going to be amazing. I'll have to send that to you so you can check it out. Please do. Incredible. Um, So our team's been working really hard at doing that. Um, On the Aspi front, one of the things we're actually doing, which is really amazing, is we're building three new facilities throughout the Middle East. Um, so we're working actually with royalty overseas, um, in the UAE, uh, to bring health and there, right. Because they, they need help mm. as well. So they reach out to us. Uh, we've been in contact with, with some pretty amazing people there. So that's going to be a huge undertaking, um, over the next year, Amazing, but, um, all good, all good stuff, man. I just love, I appreciate you for having me on. Um, if you want to follow me or know anything else, um, shoot me a DM. I try and I answer them all individually. I don't have, I don't even have my assistant or anyone do them. Like I answer all my DMs cause I love just talking to people, but, um,
0: cause you're a, Ryan, real ass dude. <laughs> a real ass dude. Right?
1: It's at Ryan P. Lowry. A lot of people say Ryan Plowry, but my middle name is Patrick, but, uh, it's Ryan P. Lowry on Instagram, Dr. Ryan Lowry on Facebook. And then ketogenic.com is, is where we have a lot of our keto stuff.
0: And ketogenic.com on Instagram as well. It's like the web address ketogenic.com without the dot at ketogenic.com. Am I correct in that? Yep.
1: Right.
0: Awesome. Well guys, they have so many cool resources on ketogenic.com. I know it was a big part of my journey early on when I was uh, a, a little fly in the keto world. And uh, and Ryan's been an inspiration to me for a long time. So I'm really happy to have him here. Uh, he has an amazing book, and I really mean that, um, that really breaks down uh, the ketogenic diet. And it's called The Ketogenic Bible. I highly encourage anybody who's interested or curious in what exactly the keto diet is without all the noise that you come across on the internet, um, grab a copy of that book it's, it's really, really fantastic. A ton of thought went into that. So get yourself a copy of the ketogenic Bible. And as Ryan said, follow him on socials. Just an awesome guy. If you can't tell he's an awesome guy. So Ryan, thank you so much for being here. This was a pleasure.
1: Thank you, brother. My I'm super honored to be here. Thank you for everything. I Appreciate you. And we'll talk soon.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks a lot. And <laughs> while we're at it, make sure to get yourself a copy of my cookbook, New Keto Cooking, where I kind of turn keto food upside down. We're talking real food, just delicious, yummy food that's good for everybody in your family, keto or not. I put a lot of heart into it. So if you guys have a moment, check out my cookbook. Of course, we're going to put more information about this episode at chefmichael.com podcast. That's chef Michael. .com/podcast and right now I'm going to do kind of my own little thoughts and reflections as a bonus episode on what we talked about with Ryan at patreon.com/chefmichael. Thank you so much to Ryan lowry for being here you are amazing and thank you to our sponsor redmond salt for helping to finance this video guys they have the best salt in the game and it's such an important part of both my food and my keto journey so thank you redmond salt ryan i love you buddy and i hope to talk to you soon love you brother thank you bye